Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Grab your Bible, go with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number one. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter number one. And uh, we had a, when you're turning there, it had an interesting um, we had, had an interesting Facebook message that somebody sent uh, my wife and me this week. And um, they had come and they had visited. They are, they're from Alabama. They attended a, a gigantic church in Alabama. And uh, I, I'm going to try to say this as, as tactfully as I can. Um, and then she came here. She visited for a while for a service just passing through. I'm not too terribly sure which service she came to. Um, but she, she texted us, she, she sent us a Facebook message, I, sh- I should say. And she wanted to know, she said, I'm, I'm a part of this church, and she named the church. We're very, very familiar with the church. It's part of a, a, a church planning organization we're familiar with and, 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 and know. And she said, I want to know how you balance um, all of the new modern church things that you have to do you know, you got to have your next steps, and you got to have your coffee and your donuts, and you got to have the. I can I can tell by looking at somebody's website what kind of church they are, right? Because they all look alike. And she said, "How do you? How did you manage to balance that with the fire and the passion that you guys represented?" Now, I don't have the answer to that because I don't think we have answered that. But this is what I do know: you don't have to have excellence or fire, but you better have one before the other. It doesn't have to be one or the other, but you better have one before the other. And more than anything, more than anything, I, I hope maybe I can preach on it coming up soon. More than anything, I am devoted and dedicated that I, I don't want us to try to attempt to plan a church that looks like it's on the cutting edge of what what every other church is doing. I see the Instagram post and ads and everybody looks the same and really they're just trying to outcompete each other based upon who can get the most creative. I'm not trying to compete with people at the level of creativity. I'm trying to provide a place where people can encounter the life-changing presence of God. You need to have the Instagram stuff and you need to have the small groups and you need to have this and you need to have that. But what we need more than anything is we need a place where broken people can be made new again. Can I get a witness from somebody? And so I believe that God sent us the right people and I believe that that's what we're going after. Amen? Amen. All right. Deuteronomy chapter number one. I could preach on that topic for for the next four hours, but I'll I'll preach this sermon anyway. Deuteronomy chapter number one. I'm going to read verse one. It's going to sound kind of interesting, kind of weird, kind of obscure to you. Then we're going to flip over to chapter eight. Deuteronomy chapter one, verse one. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel, watch, on this side of Jordan in the wilderness. These are the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, Dizahab. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side of the Jordan, in the wilderness, over against the Red Sea. He's between the Red Sea and he's between Jordan. He's in the wilderness. Now flip over to chapter 8. I'm going to start reading with verse number 2. 
And you shall remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you and to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. And he humbled you and he suffered you to hunger and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, neither did your fathers know that he might make it known to you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Your raiment, your clothing, did not wax old upon you, neither did your foot swell these 40 years. You shall also consider in your heart that as a man chastened his son, so the Lord chastened you. It's quiet. It was like it's going to be one of those. Verse 6, it's really not. This is going to encourage you. Verse 6, therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God brings you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountain, and depth, spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vine and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and of honey, a land wherein you shall eat bread without scarcity. You'll have abundance. You will not lack anything. In the land stone in, in a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you may dig brass. When you've eaten and you are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he's given you. Beware that you don't forget the Lord. In keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command you this day, lest when you have eaten and you are full and you've built good houses and you dwell in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply, when your silver and your gold multiplies, this is what God's saying, this is what I'm going to do for you, and all that you've multiplied, that then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein there was fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought you forth. Out, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers didn't know that he might humble you and prove you to do you good at the end. And that you and thou say in thy heart, my power and the wealth of my hand has gotten me this wealth, but you shall remember the Lord. For it is he that gave you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant in the earth as he swore to his fathers this day. Can I get an Amen. I want to minister to you from the topic between two rivers. Between two rivers. Oftentimes, especially in the charismatic church of which I am a part, we have a tendency to put a lot of emphasis, a lot of a lot of uh, a stock in having encounters with God. I believe, I still believe that you can be touched by God and be changed forever in a moment. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I still believe that one moment in his presence can transform your life. Neither you nor I are even still sitting here because we assimilated into the church over time. I am not sitting here doing what I'm doing because I thought this looked like an easy way to make some good money and ministry was a good career choice. I'm sitting here because when I was 14 years old, something came down out of heaven, hit me on the top of my head, shot out the soles of my feet, and I was never the same again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I still believe in the power of one moment in his presence. That's why as the body of Christ, we are in trouble because we don't provide opportunities for God to teach people and touch people anymore. Amen myself. 
Y'all with me? We don't, we, don't, we, don't make, we don't make room for that because people might think it's weird and people might think it's crazy and people might not understand it. You don't have to understand it, but I promise you, if it ever happens to you, you will never forget it for the rest of your life. So we put a lot of emphasis in an encounter and I believe in encounters and I believe I've seen people. Oh, glory to God. I've seen people be transformed in a moment. I've seen a little girl who used to cut herself with razor blades come to an altar and us pray for her and her lift her hands and her razor blade scars completely be washed away off of her arm. I don't need some I don't need some Baptist hand clap this morning. I need somebody that believes in the power of God to help me preach it. I have seen young men 14 years old bound by pornography looking at the most god awful things on the internet you could possibly imagine. Go down to an altar and not only get set free from pornography, but God give them their mind back. God purify their mind from all of the garbage that they put in it. I still believe in one moment in his presence. And I got four people that are with me this morning. Glory to God. I still believe in his presence. I still believe in something called the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I still believe in something called the baptism of fire. I still believe in something called praying in tongues. I still believe in something called laying hands on the sick and watching them recover. Is there anybody with me up in here this morning? I'm trying. Making a brother work. Giving you a free movie ticket. At least you could throw a dog a bone. So we put a lot of emphasis in being touched and being transformed and, and, and coming down to an altar and just, just getting exploding, just getting up off the floor and somebody having to carry you to your car. If you don't know what that's like, you don't even know what living this life's about yet. If you've never been so touched by the Holy Ghost that somebody had to escort you out and drive you home. That's why Paul said, don't be drunk with wine wherein is there is excess. But there's another experience like being drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Oh, glory to God. So I believe in being touched by the power of God. However, however, once you get up off the floor and wipe your makeup off, get your hair sorted back out. If you went to the church I grew up in, I had to find all the bobby pins. Right? <laughs> I was in a church one time, God was moving. That's how white people dance. I got to quit making white jokes. Saw this lady dance. This church mama was dancing. So help me God, she was dancing. You know why she danced? Her dress came all the way down. Her, little, her skirt came all the way down. She had on what the, what, the, what the mothers used to call a slip. Y'all don't know what a slip is. Y'all too, too contemporary. She never stopped dancing. She just bent down. Picked that skirt back up and kept shaking it. Glory to God. Got to do what you got to do. I got so many stories. I could blow your mind with the Pentecostal stories. However, after God touches us, and after we have that emotional explosion, right? That's what happens after God touches you. get up and you're like, glory to God, I'm going to walk on water on the way home. That's it. I'm fasting all year long. Ain't eating a bite. Right. 9 p.m., you're like a crack addict. You're like, oh, God, I got to get, I need some carbohydrates. Oh, no, Jesus, oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> right. 
get touched by God and you're like, everything's different. You're prophesying to the stop sign outside. <laughs> Falling out in a grocery store. Can't even be normal now because God touched you. Glory to God. The woman hands you your change at the grocery store. You grab her hand. You know Jesus Christ. I swear you know Jesus because you're going to die and burn in hell forever if you don't. Glory to God. Christian turn, Christians can turn weird, boy. Weird. Christians are also the no fun police. I saw a post the other day. It's like, can you imagine, can you believe all of the people going to see Avengers and not going to see Unplanned and the church is going to watch this movie and they're not going to support this anti, I, th- I, don't, I haven't seen either one of them. I'm sure they're both wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. Would you just calm down? We're just going to see a movie. We're not offering sacrifices to Baal. We're just going to see a movie and eat some popcorn. Right? Christian is so holy. So after God touches you, a lot of times that is the extent to which we allow God to work in us. So if he don't fix it at an altar, it don't get fixed. Right? And so we want God to do everything for us. When in reality, there is some growth that has to happen and some development that has to happen and some spiritual maturity that has to happen. Most of us, we don't need a miracle in our life. We just need some maturity. So that's what God did to the people of Israel. He took them out of Egypt and they crossed one river and then he did not take them immediately into Canaan. You don't leave Egypt and get to go straight into Canaan. And we do people, listen, we do people a disservice when we preach them a gospel that says, if you will just serve Jesus, he'll fix all your problems. Really? All your problems been fixed since you've been a Christian? Because I ain't doing something right then. That's why we tell people, Jesus will fix all your problems if you just serve him. All you got to do, say the prayer and poof, like a puff of smoke. (laughs) Vanishes. You lying. You lying. Now, Jesus can fix all your problems. But the way he's going to fix it is by changing you. So before we start talking to God about it, God wants to talk to us about us. So before we start talking to God about, would you fix my spouse? Would you fix my kids? Would you fix my money? Would you fix my boss? God wants to say, I want to fix your attitude. I want to fix your disrespect. I want to fix your dishonor. I want to fix your temper. I ain't getting no amens up in here. I want to fix your mouth. I want to fix your complaining. I want to fix your victimizing. I will fix it, but I can only fix it if I change you. Because if I fix it and I don't process you first, you will recreate it. I can pull you out of all your problems, but if I don't do something down on the inside of you, you will recreate the problem. That's why in the, over in the book of Matthew, the Bible says that Jesus went up through Samaria and a woman runs to him and says, Lord, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil and Jesus ignores her. Then she says it again. Lord, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he said, even the, even the crumbs fall. And it's not worthy to give the bread to the dogs. He ignored her, then called her a dog. 
do you know? Now he was, listen, this was in the first century in Israel. Do you know what would happen if you said that in the year of our Lord, 2019? And what did she do when he ignored her? She kept coming. What did she do when he called her a dog? She kept coming. Then she said, yeah, Lord, but even the dogs get to eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he says, I've not seen so great faith. Bring your daughter to me. What was he doing? He knew that I can fix the daughter. But before I fix the daughter, I've got to process the mother. And before God can fix it, he's got to do some work in us. That's why sometimes we feel stuck. Between two rivers. We feel stuck between Egypt and Canaan. It's something your Bible calls the wilderness. <laughs> Am I talking to anybody this morning? <laughs> because God's got some stuff to do in us before he allows us to go into Canaan. God's got to get some stuff out of us before he allows us to go into Canaan. God's got to put some stuff down on the inside of us before he allows us to go into Canaan. We are lying to people when we tell them that serving God is like a morphine button. Or nine one, let me, let me get real plain. Serving God ain't your sugar daddy. If you don't know what that means, Google it. It means that God's not just going to give you whatever you want. And then in response, you give him an hour a week on Sunday. And then God just starts handing money out to you. And then you give him an hour a week on Sunday. Then he hands some more money out to God, you get. So they're stuck between two rivers. I'm not where I used to be. Thank God. But I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I saw him do a miracle in me when I crossed over the Red Sea. But I haven't seen him take me over Jordan yet. So I'm stuck between where I was and where I'm going in something called the wilderness. The wilderness where things go to die. Because when you are in the wilderness, either your issues will die or you will. <laughs> Can somebody say amen? When God takes you through the wilderness, see, when you were in Egypt, you didn't have enough. When you get in Canaan, you have more than enough. But when you're in the wilderness, you got just enough. You know what I'm talking about? There's too much month left at the end of the money. You got paid and it got you through the 16th. But January got 31 days, glory to God. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Just enough. Stuck between two rivers. Because when God's taking you through the wilderness, God is going to make you rely on miracles. But God does not want you to stay there. God is saying, I'm going to bring you into a land of blessing where everything I provide for you is not miraculous anymore. It's just because you've stepped into something. It's not because I'm having to rain down manna from heaven. It's because of where you've ended up, because of your obedience. So the wilderness was actually meant to be God's welfare system. Welfare was never meant to be permanent. It was meant to be temporary. It's supposed to be temporary relief when you go through a tough season. 
But Christians, we get so caught, we get so trapped in the wilderness that we develop a pathology where God is constantly having to miraculously bail us out of all of our stuff because we've not matured to the place to submit ourselves to the principles in God's word where we avoid the problems. I don't want to hear of all the stories. I don't want to hear the testimonies about how God pulled you out. I want to hear the testimonies about how your obedience kept you from. I used to get worried when I was growing up because I was in, I've been in church since I was two weeks old. The worst thing I ever did was I tried to steal an airplane when I was seven from Walmart and got beat. I got, I got abused. I got assaulted by my own mother in Walmart. You can't beat kids like that in public anymore, Brother Al. Can't do that. Got beat when I got home. Got beat. I grew up in church my whole life, and I thought, God can't use me. I don't have a testimony. Maybe I need to go smoke some crack. <laughs> This is my 14-year-old mind. Maybe I need to go smoke some crack so I can stand up talking about God brought me out. <laughs> the musings of a 14-year-old mind. I thought, I can't use me. I don't have a testimony. Jesus spoke to me and said, I didn't either. I didn't have a testimony either. I don't want to hear, I don't always want to hear about how God brought you out. We celebrate how God brought you out, but I want to see how you've matured to the place where your obedience to God kept you from it. Now he had to bail you out of it again. That's what he's doing to the children of Israel in the wilderness. He is walking them through a season and he's saying, I've got to prove you first because there's some stuff I'm going to give you and where I'm going to take you, I got to make sure that you are ready to handle it. I got to do some more. I got to do a work down in your heart. I got to fix some stuff down on the inside of you. I got to rip some ambition out of you. I got to rip some jealousy out of you. I got to rip some envy out of you. I got to humble you and I've got to prove you. So when I take you into the land of blessing, you still remember that I'm the one that got got you here to begin with don't you ever think no matter how God blesses you don't you ever get to the point where you think you did it you didn't do it well I work hard and he gave you the ability to do it the way you are the reason your brain even thinks that way is because God gave it to you it's because you got a gift and the gift came down from above from the father of lights from whom there is no variableness neither shadow of turning and God said I'm going to put you in a season where you have to believe me so when you get into Canaan, you will choose to still believe me. God refuses to create a world for you that makes him unnecessary. Sometimes God has to keep us in need because he knows if he don't, we won't talk to him. Come on, if your power wasn't about to get cut off, you wouldn't have a prayer life. Huh? Huh? Look at that car payment, $798 a month. You'd be like, God, I bless your name. I lift you high. Get it paid off. And then drive down the interstate in a paid off car talking about, God, I bless your name. And I lift you high. God can give you anything if you just remember where it came from. God can do anything through you as long as you remember that it was him not you. So God tells Israel, listen, listen, listen. This is what God tells Israel. I'm going to take you somewhere where you're not going to have to cry out in desperation for the blessing. You've been walking around the wilderness for 40 years talking about that manna better show up. Manna better show up today. 
God wanted them so dependent that he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even allow them to eat manna from yesterday. He said, after today, I'll throw it away and trust me again. Jesus echoes some of this. Look, listen to the words that Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. Don't even take any thought about tomorrow. Don't even think about it. The sparrows, they don't sow into the storehouse and your father feeds them. Don't even think about tomorrow. Trust me. I told Israel, throw all the man away and then you're going to start over fresh in the morning with nothing to eat. Ain't got no food for your babies. Ain't got no food for your wife. And then you're going to have to see, is God going to come through again? And he said, but that's not where I want you to stay. I'm going to take you into a place where you've got fields of harvest and barley and pomegranates and fig trees and water. You ain't having to beat rocks and get water out of it. You got streams and brooks and rivers. That's where I'm taking you. But before I get you there, I got to do some work on your trust. And I've got to do some work on your faith. And I've got to do some work on your dependence. So when I hand you everything, you still remain dependent upon me. This is what God's telling them. It is not a question of how am I going to bless you? Dear God, I've made bread fall out of the sky and I made water come out of a rock. It is not an issue of how am I going to bless you? The issue is, can I bless you? Can you stand? Can you handle being blessed? Can you get the raise at work and still tithe? <laughs> Y'all with me? It's easy to tithe when you're broke. Because you got to believe on the law, right? But what do you do when you got more than enough? I told you this story one time. I had a friend who was an NBA basketball player. At one point in his life, he was making $17.4 million a year. He was the fourth highest player in the NBA. And we were talking one time, and he was talking about all of his struggles, serving God with money. And I was acting like I knew what he was talking about. I was like, I know, man, it's tough. <laughs> You've made more money while we're sitting here talking than I'm going to make all year. <laughs> He's like, man, it's tough. He said, people think it's hard serving God when you're broke. You try serving God with a million dollars in your pocket. And I was like, ain't that the truth? <laughs> Preach, man. My People don't know. People don't know the struggle, do they, bro? No, man, they don't know. <laughs> Shoot. Why don't you hit me with a million? I'll tell you, I'll, 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 I'll help you. I'll, I'll, I'll disciple you through it. It's not how is God going to bless you. Y'all guys, come on up. It's can you handle God blessing you? Are you going to be able to handle all the haters that start talking about you when you're living at a level that really they secretly want to be at? Huh? Are you going to fire back at Facebook? People just don't know. Glory to God. Posting pictures of yourself just to rub it in their face. Can't be doing that stuff. That's what gets killed out of you in the wilderness. Because when you're in the wilderness, you don't care. Because nobody saw what I went through. So nobody gets to talk about where I ended up. You have to be careful before you criticize everybody else. Because you never know. You never know. Before you start throwing rocks at the fact that everybody else is in Canaan and you're still in the wilderness, you don't know what the wilderness looked like for them. You don't know how God broke them and crushed them and got them to the place where now he could trust them 
with wealth and abundance and influence. So what do you do when you're stuck between two rivers? God's trying to process you and say, I got, I've got a whole promised land I'm ready to give you. But I got to make sure that me and you are where we need to be first. Because I'm not going to lose you over stuff. And if me giving you stuff means I lose you, then you don't get the stuff. But if you do it right, when God gives you the stuff, you barely even recognize the stuff. Because you're consumed with the God that gave you the stuff. Can I get an amen from somebody? Stand up on your feet. I apologize for the, for the service having to go so uh, short this morning. We could have went a lot longer for sure. But we're trying to be good. Uh, we're trying to be good tenants in our brief time that we have here. We're trying to be, we're trying to be good renters, good uh, tenants. So this is what I came to tell you. God's got something waiting on you. It's already there. You're not asking him to do it, Moses. He had this ready for you all the way back when he was telling Abraham about it. He had this ready for you from the foundations of the world. He's got blessing and abundance and wealth and prosperity. There's what is it, but I got to prove you. I got to make sure that once I give you it, you don't forget me. Don't ever, don't ever get lifted up in your heart and in your mind and say, by my own power, by my own means, I did this. But you will remember that it is the Lord that gave you the power. Listen, your Bible did not say, listen, your Bible did not say that God gave you the wealth. It does not say that you will remember the Lord who gave you the wealth. You will remember the Lord that gave you the power to get the wealth. But before I give you it, you're going to be in between two rivers and I've got to process some stuff out of you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.